You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hello, hello, Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here. And today we are talking to Nikki Devon, a writer, a storyteller, a performer, a dominatrix, the host of Fat Bottom Cabaret. Yes. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, so you host Fat Bottom Cabaret. Tell us all about that. So Fat Bottom Cabaret is um, a plus-size cabaret troupe based here in Austin, Texas, and I am the founder and director. Um, but as a troupe, we put on a show once a quarter called The Midnight Menagerie, and um, it is a powerhouse collective of POC performers. You either have to be a person of color, a person of size, or you have to be queer. And um, it's just a, it's just like a bomb-ass way to showcase people of color doing their art and create visibility, and you have fun, and it's a party on stage. And I am see it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And you have you have one coming up soon. Yes, December seventh. It's called Fancy as Fuck. Ah, I've described <laughs> that way so many times. Yes, <laughs> it is a great descriptor. We have a mutual friend, Adam from yes. Moon Tower Counseling, and I would describe him as such. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Adam is one of our sponsors for our show, and. Every time he's like, okay, I want to sponsor the show. And I'm like, that sounds great. And he's like, I'm just going to give you this. And every time he offers something, it turns our show into the fa- It's like, I'm like, oh, you just took us up a notch. I like that. He's fancy. I like it. If you're not following Moon Tower Counseling, I highly recommend yes. you check them out. Because what Adam has a unique ability to do, Adam and sex positive families have this skill where they can give really thoughtful and practical insights mm-hmm. in like eight words. Right. I can't do that. I, I need a lot of words. <laughs> I do too. I'm chatty. Yeah, I'm verbose. <laughs> yes. I got caught talking to a turtle the other day. <laughs> Can we talk about the turtles in Austin? Because you're from Austin. Yes, I am from here, yes. I was walking along the river the other day, mm-hmm. and I saw seven turtles, and they almost looked as though they were top atop of one another. Yeah. Right. And Adam saw it on my Instagram, was like, oh, you went to a turtle orgy. <laughs> of course Adam said that. Yeah. Of course he did. <laughs> but it looked like a turtle orgy. Oh my god, the turtles here are I am very biased, but they are the cutest goddamn things oh. in the world. And it feels as though they congregate where they know there are gonna be a lot of people. Ah. And then they do cute things like ride on each other's backs or like pop up on land and like look around and like crawl right up to you and then be like, Nope, never mind and go oh. away. It's they do it for the gram. I think they do. I really think they do. Kind of personally. Like me. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Same. You know, as soon as they turn it off, I'm just kind of lying mm-hmm. there like a lump on a log. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to talk about <clears throat> curvy bodies. Yes. Fat bodies. Yes. Full bodies. And the language around that. Because a lot of us, many of us grew up with the idea that even the word fat was right. bad. And we still worry about whether that's disparaging. Mm-hmm. And I was just writing a book with Marla Renee Stewart, who is also fabulous. We wrote a book called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, which comes out in April, so go pre-order that ish. <laughs> and our publisher asked why we use the word fat a couple right. of times. They said, do you want to use the word full body? Do you want to say curvy? <clears throat> and curvy is such an interesting thing because right. it's almost like toning it down. Right. And we said, you know what? Uh, neither of us is fat. 
And so I don't think we get to choose the word. And so if you're working with people who, you know, in North American language, we say plus size, what are your perspectives on this? What kind of language should we be using? I feel like the reason that I use fat is because the word holds too much negative power, in my opinion, and I don't like it. I feel like a person should be able to describe themselves as what they are. And fat should not be this thing that's like, oh, ew, she's fat. Because what that does is it makes it even harder for a person of size to move through the world. So if we, it's kind of like operating off of the, like, if we normalize this and we just make it a descriptor, not good, not bad, just make it a descriptor. I My, my entire, most of the time, when I am doing something, I hashtag fat and black in Texas because that's what I am. And I don't need it to be whispered about. I don't need it to be. I, there's no shame. I'm not ashamed of being fat and black. So why should you feel shame when you describe me as such? And curvy is something I feel is, is you can be a thin or straight sized person and have curves. Curvy is not something that is only for a larger body. So I don't think that it fits all the time, right? And then there are larger bodies that are not curvy. Mm. So, you know what I mean? So it's they they've they've turned it into this catch-all for larger bodies and it doesn't work for everybody. And so it can sometimes feel really like you can feel left out. Like if you're a larger woman and you don't have the hourglass, you don't have the ass and the titties, then you don't consider yourself curvy. And that's not fair either. Mm-hmm. I feel there are fat people in the world. Those fat people are sexy. Those fat people, like, they can move through life. They do everything that everybody else does. So why is it something that's whispered? I, I just, no. So it's destigmatizing. You're, yeah. you're breaking down the layers of shame. And let's talk about why fat sex matters because we do know that portrayals of sexiness tend to be fairly one-dimensional and people get praised for using let's let's say a plus-size model who's basically kind of just like a slightly bigger version of me right uh, and they're not necessarily fat right so we don't see a lot of visibility around fat people being sexual around mm-hmm. fat people being sexy what does fat sex mean to you? What does the empowerment mean to you? What can we talk about? And what can not only fat people learn to, you know, enjoy for themselves, but also everybody can learn from, because oftentimes when somebody gets othered or they're pushed to the fringes, we lose out on all the lessons because they have no voice. Right. Exactly. I feel like, and one of the reasons that I started Fat Bottom was strictly for visibility. I was like, surely there have got to be other fat bitches in the world that want to be on stage and be sexy. I know I'm not the only one. I am not reinventing the wheel. I'm not the only girl that likes her body. I'm going to find them. I'm going to find them and I'm going to put them on stage. And visibility for me was the first step. And I think that when you start talking about fat sex, that's the first thing. Look at your body. Take your clothes off fuck with the lights on stop fucking like stop fucking with your tank tops on so you know what I mean like that's the first part get used to you looking at your own body when you're feeling sexy when you're engaged in a sexual act and then make other people that are in a sexual act with you also look at your body like it's a tiny it's not you know what I mean like I'm it's sometimes people know things and they just have to be given permission right I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but there are still so many people, straight, sized, and fat, that fuck with the lights off. Are they? Are they have some part of their body covered? Or they? You know what I mean? Like. 
that's that's the biggest, tiniest thing you can do. Stop covering yourself up. I love that. And whether it's you're having sex or in public and thinking. So one thing that drives me nuts about the fashion industry, and I'm not super into fashion, honestly. I know I always look dressed up, but I don't know what's trendy. (laughs) I I wear the same clothes over and over again. I have three of the same off-the-shoulder black dresses. It's the exact same dress from the same website on Amazon because it's comfortable and it travels well. Like, I have three in black, one in burgundy, one in red, one in purple. Like, Right. But one thing about the fashion industry is this notion of dressing for your body type. And mm-hmm. I don't like that that's ultimately a euphemism for dressing so that you can all look the same. Right. Right. So how do I minimize my waist or maximize my right. butt or max? And this comes back to obviously, you know, Eurocentric notions of what beauty is, one dimensional notions, and most importantly, notions they can profit off of. Right. <laughs> right. This is about money. Right. This is about capitalism. Mm-hmm. So... How do you rid yourself of that shame? Because whether you're skinny or fat or you look like you're going to be on the cover of Cosmo or you look like you will never be on the cover of Cosmo, mm-hmm. even though you look damn good, how do we all kind of are, are raised to not feel good about our body? Right, right. And, and every day you receive a message kind of saying, you're not good enough, but I've got the solution. Here's how I can fix you. Exactly. Yeah. How do we rid ourselves of that sexual shame? So you said first and foremost, take those clothes off. Take clothes off. And if you, and I, so I love fashion. I love Ah. clothing. I love to dress up. I love to put on cute, tiny little clothes. It's my jam. I like it. And if you are, if you do have clothes on, the way I see it is, if it's in your size, you can wear it. And if not, the, you can take scissors and, and cut not, it open. I was just about to say that. And if it's not in your size, you can damn well get somebody to make it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. I learned to sew because I started seeing girls and stuff that I wanted to fucking wear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that not in my size? Why is everything in my size telling me that I should cover up? And, and that even goes as far as like age-appropriate things. I don't buy into that age-appropriate shit anyway because yeah. at the end of the day, it's about another person feeling uncomfortable about what they're seeing. And that is their problem. Mm-hmm. That's not mine. You got to ask yourself, why are you so uncomfortable mm-hmm. seeing in my thigh meat? Why does that bother you so much? Mm-hmm. And, then, and again, it is society. It's society saying, that's not okay. That's not what you want to look at. That's not what you want to fuck that's not what you want to look like Mm -hmm. this is what you want to look like this is what we can control Mm -hmm. this is what we can offer if we make you hate yourself we get more money Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for you know 99 payments of 999 and a little bit of of your soul you too can look like this person that does not look like that either Mm -hmm. because they are photoshopped to help like it's and that's why we see skin bleaching some i see my mother being from jamaica i often you know i follow the jamaican media and they'll talk about skin bleaching and this is these are chemicals in our body or botulism in our body and i'm not suggesting let me be clear i think people should do what works for them right of course if if you want to dye your hair of course if you want to wear extensions if you want to have a procedure done that's you know i I support you yeah what i don't support is a culture that forces us and i'll be really clear i'm not judging individuals same uh and i think you should do what feels great for you i think you just you hit the nail on the head it's about your decision it's Mm -hmm. your decision if you decide that that's what you want to do girl do what you want to do Do what you want to do. That is your body. It's yours. You're the only one that has control, love, and agency of it. And that's all I'm saying. Don't let outside influences tell you what to do with yourself. You decide that you want to get 
plastic surgery. You want to dye your hair. You want to get booty. You want to get lip. Yes, bitch, get that. Get it. But it needs to be your fucking decision. Mm -hmm. Not because someone has told you you're not good enough. Well, and so let's say you do, you take your own advice, which is to, you know, get naked and enjoy your naked body. And then when you do dress, dress in a way that's comfortable for yourself there's still the reality that that advice taking without context is is going to subject people to to oppression, to fat yeah. phobia. Yeah. So you're walking down the street. I remember having some friends in university, uh, and we were walking behind a girl, and her butt was hanging out of her shorts. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of pre- that style, so that style wasn't around. You know, I was in university in the 50s, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, so it was a while ago. And I remember a friend saying, like, why would she even wear that? And I remember turning to them and saying, I'm wearing shorts that they're short. And they said, yeah, but you can pull it off. And I remember saying, like, that's not cool, man. Mm-hmm. Not cool. I was 20 years old. And I didn't, you know, I couldn't articulate myself maybe the way I could today. I think I'd say, I'd obviously say more today. Yeah. But what do you do when you face that fat phobia yeah it's i have to i had a conversation with someone about this recently um because i she asked me about something she wanted to wear a dress or something i was like girl just wear that dress and she reminded me you come from a place of someone that's been doing this for a very long time Mm -hmm. and so i try to remember when i talk to people about having having ownership of their bodies you're going to be met with resistance about something. Anytime you are true to yourself, sometimes it's your size, sometimes it's your personality, sometimes it's how you choose to wear your hair. Anytime you are confident in who you are and you do, and you set the boundary of not giving a fuck what other people have to say about it, it upsets people. And they're going to try really hard to impose what they believe and what makes them comfortable on you. And so anytime someone... Anytime I'm called a fat bitch, anytime I'm told to cover up, anytime any of that happens, I take that minute, I don't hide in shame, I turn around, I look, because I want you to see you're talking to a person. I'm not going to engage with you, I'm not going to put myself in danger, but I am going to turn around and look at you Mm -hmm. so you can look at me and see that I'm a person that you're talking to, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes I'll say something slick, sometimes I won't, but you will look at me. And then I have to remember, okay, you know what? This ain't about me. Mm-hmm. This is about them. Mm-hmm. This is about the fact that in some way they don't get to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And they're transferring and projecting onto me. And I don't feel sorry for you, but I'm also not going to take your shit. So I'm going to let you know that I'm a person. I hear you. I see what you just said. And then I'm going to go about my day. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, go take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Little tiny things of self-care. You know what I mean? What, like, is, what does self-care mean to you? For me, now... For me, I like to, if something like that happens, I like to go and be around my girls. I like to go and be around people that I know know me. They know Nikki. They don't give a fuck about what I look like. They know me. They know I'm a good person. They know we have fun. They make me feel good. If And that fuels me. If that's not something that fuels you, you go do something that you like to do. Treat yourself. Whatever it is. Because you've earned it. You've lived through this really tough moment this really shitty moment that was put on you by somebody that you don't even fucking know. So treat yourself to something. I love that. And, you know, we all run into different, you know, incidents where somebody makes you feel bad about yourself, yeah, right? This is yeah. a universal experience. And, of course, everybody. but it's worse for some people than others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're perceived right. to be queer, right. if you are fat, uh, if you don't look rich, right? Because right. certain 
crazy people who might be celebrated. And so we think about like Lizzo. Yeah. Right? Now everybody's loving on Lizzo, and as we should be. As yes. And do you feel that way about all the other people in your life? Right. right? I saw a me- I saw a meme about that the other day. Like it's so yes, we are so glad that you love Lizzo. Now give that same energy to the fat woman in your office, mm-hmm. or the fat woman in your apartment complex, or the fat woman that you see every day, or the fat person mm-hmm. that you see. Let's talk about guys who are fat because right. we often talk about body image for for women and femmes. But there is a huge amount of pressure mm-hmm. on men as well. And it seems that there is even a more one-dimensional expectation of what a hot man looks like. Absolutely. And I think so many men have been resigned to believe that they're not sexy and they're not desirable and that's okay. And in some ways they're lucky because men are valued for so many other things, like their <laughs> sense of humor. I wish I had right. one of those, right? right. And their intelligence <laughs> yeah. and their career and their charisma and are mm-hmm. they a great father or a great partner? And I obviously all people should be valued for the multi-dimensions of the, you know, pieces of their personality. But when it comes to the way you look, very few men, especially straight men, Mm-hmm. Get to experience being <clears throat> desired. Right. I find that, especially straight men, if they have a larger body, they get lumped into this like, oh, he's a teddy bear. Oh, he's, ah. a, he's a big, he's a teddy bear. He's a big, strong man. He's, it's okay. He's, he's got a little dad bod or a little pot belly mm-hmm. or a little, you know, he, they, they turn them into this like, 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 Asexual. Yeah, a thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. This asexual, you know, pet of some sort. But like, just because someone has a larger, just because a male identified person has a larger body, it doesn't mean that they don't want to also, unless they are asexual, Mm -hmm. that they don't want to also be, you know, fucked or they or admired or desired. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, cool. You can think of me as a teddy bear, but also, Mm -hmm. like. I am a man. I do want to be looked at as a sexual being. So I also have to like watch my language and I have to change the way I see things. I have plenty of male friends that I, because of our relationship, I do view them as big teddy bears. And I do like, no. And I'm like, Nikki, you hate when people do that to you. So it counts. Men count too. Male identified people count too. They need to be, they want to be desired as well. So we have to make sure that we don't characterize them as these asexual, like, for lack of a better word, plushies. Like, Um, (laughs) like something that you will cuddle but not fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we think about, you know, we're seeing more representations of fat people in media. Mm -hmm. I wonder what you think. Are we in a good place because the representation is increasing or is it just one more layer of fat phobia where being fat becomes the center of their story? I think it's both. I think it's both because that like I, I look. There's this, the show. This is us. I look at that show. Yes. So in this is us, the which is a crazy popular show on television. Mm-hmm. I can't watch because it, it makes me cry. It's too much. Everything it is sad. It is all, a tearjerker. Everything is sad all yeah. the time. But they, <laughs> but they have a couple, the sister Kate and her husband, whose name I can't remember, mm-hmm. and they do an excellent job of of portraying this big man as a sexual being and I see him and I watch him I'm like good fucking job man like mm-hmm. I want to have sex with that person mm, okay. like he is sexy and he talks about sex in a re- in a traditional the way any man would talk about sex so that's the other thing sometimes fat fat bodied male represented people 
you act as if they don't even want, they don't even speak in a way that would, that would remind you that they want to have, you know, they're not even given the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because they're kind of seen as thankful to be having right. sex. So it's right. this framing of who, right. and when you think about what sex is, sure, is it partly a visual experience where, you know, the aesthetic matters, mm-hmm. and so you might love the way curves look, you might love some extra rolls, you might love a bone poking out of the hip for some reason. Right. So that's a part of it, but why do you have sex? Right. And what are the feelings you experience during sex? Kind of pleasure, connection, right. euphoria, excitement, mm-hmm. maybe some risk, maybe some challenge. And you wonder, does only the aesthetic affect those outcomes or is that quite a small percentage of what affects that and i'm not trying to suggest that the way you look doesn't matter of course no yeah of course we like what you like yes but you also have to consider why you like what you like right fair yeah um and as someone who you know has seen a lot of live sex and i've talked about this before i am so surprised that the bodies by which i'm turned on are not the bodies that i'm told i should be turned on by yep I, if I really let myself get into my animalistic desire, so I say that there's cultural desire and animalistic desire. So animalistic is the natural, I let myself go, I let go of my notions of what's good and bad. Mm-hmm. And I am so attracted to so many different types of people. Whereas yes. cultural prescriptions yes. tell me, here's what I should be attracted mm-hmm. to. Here's what I find physically attractive. And it's funny because, you know, you can be around all those people all the time and experience no attraction because you've been told you should like that, but it's not actually your jam. Right, right. And then we, we do, we, we paint it as, in fact, if you look at fat women in movies for many years in comedies, they're almost begging and it's the butt of a joke. It is absolutely the butt of a joke. How does that feel to have people who look like you be made the butt of a joke sexually. Um, I mean, it feels as you imagine it would feel. It sucks. Yeah. You know, it, it because you don't, nobody always wants to be the funny sidekick. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing for the fat girl in any, most movies yeah. that you see. Yeah, she's funny, mm-hmm. and she's the sidekick, and she's mm-hmm. the butt of a joke, mm-hmm. and she's desperate, and she's just, and it's, and it's almost always a fucking man. It's always like, I want this man, and so I'm going to put myself in these positions that make me look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's not a per, that, that's when you become, you're not a person anymore. Now you're just a character you're like an object like a cartoon character Mm -hmm. it's card it's like buffoonery is the only it's the only sounds like using some body somebody's body as a prop right for your humor right and i mean i'm a really funny person so yeah (laughs) no when you're when you're funny there are a lot of things about which you can joke you don't have to always stoop so low and it's a little boring it is super boring right and it doesn't allow for fat where it kind of affects those of us that are funny naturally. Mm-hmm. Like it affects me in a way that's like, oh, well, like I had to, I had to like really check myself and be like, you do not always have to be funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But also you can be funny yeah, and still right. be sexy. Like right. don't let that dictate how you move through the world. Yeah. And it's hard not to, because that's, all you fucking see so like for a while I'm like I went through this 
you know, I, w- I went through this phase where I was like, no, I'm serious. I am, I'm a vamp. Like, I, this is what this is about. This is not about me being funny. This is about me being sexy. And mm-hmm. that is how I need you to see me. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I was like, I will not be the butt of a joke. I will not be the funny sidekick. I will not be the wing woman. But I just I need happen to, to be hilarious. But I just <laughs> happen to be hilarious. But sometimes you want to be the entree. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you want to be the entree. You the don't main want... character. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. It's, a, I think, a topic I'm personally uncomfortable talking about. About. First of all, because I'm not fat, right. and I grew up with really conflicting messages around being fat because I'm a blend of these cultures, um, one culture that treats skinny as an ideal and one culture that actually treats fat as an ideal right. because it means healthy and wealthy and you have enough to eat. And I always felt really conflicted. I've probably talked about the fact before that um, when I was younger, I remember an adult in my life and in, in, in my family saying to another adult, and I overheard, and so so just to clarify, I was a gymnast. I was probably 38 pounds, uh, really, oh when goodness. I was little. I was so tiny. And I remember him saying, oh, you can really see the fat on Jessica's body now that, you know, she's in shorts. And even as a child, I oh remember. So again, we're saying fat can be a positive word, but it yeah. was not being used in a positive way. In that so, moment, no. No, yeah. the context matters. But what I remember thinking at seven years old I don't know how old I was okay I remember where I was though I was on the terrazzo kind of hard steps of my grandma and grandpa's house in Jamaica I remember the moment and I was so little but I am so lucky that I remember thinking the hell's wrong with this guy like I'm really healthy I'm really strong Mm -hmm. not in that language but I was a gymnast I was a competitive gymnast and I remember thinking like my body's great yeah I'm right where I'm supposed to be and I'm thinking I'm so lucky that I had that mindset, and I think part of why I had that mindset is because I played sports, mm-hmm. right? I was a runner, I played lots of things, and so I saw functionality in my body, right? not just the way it looked. Right. But I'm really lucky because I think a lot of kids, that would become internalized. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, how do I like myself so much? <laughs> Despite that, you know, those key moments in your upbringing right. that I still remember to this day. Same. Yeah, I, I got really lucky. I come from a family of large women, right? So, and not, and not just large women, but large people. Um, and my mom is a nurse, and so my mother started very, very young with me. Like, I've always been full of energy. I've always danced. I've always run around. I've never been very sedentary, but I've also always been a little chunk, like always. And so my mom started very, very young with the like daily, like, look how cute you are. Look how good you like, look, look at you running around. Look at your little thighs. I could just like, she instilled such a sense of like strong, like identity in me that even when the like, you're too fat, you have tits and you're only not because I developed early too. Then like, I remember my grandma and my, my uncles being like, how you got a butt that big and you that small? That was what it was for me. My butt grew quicker than the rest of me. And I just remember having hearing my mom's voice being like, you're so pretty. You're perfect. Look at you. Look at you. That's exactly how you're supposed to look. You've got your ancestors' hips. You've got your aunt so-and-so's hips. You've got this. That's going to keep you strong. That's going to keep you strong. That's going to keep you doing this. That's going to keep you moving. So you had those scripts? I had those scripts from my mom. And my mom, that's, my mom would always just be like, those those legs, that's what's going to keep you strong. Those legs are going to keep you strong. That butt's going to keep you strong. And so in my head, my 
growing body was for strength. Like, it's like, oh, this is what's going to keep me moving through my life. This is what's going to keep me. And I had like seven uncles. And so there was also that. My mom was like, as you're getting older, this is how you protect yourself. Nobody should be touching. So it's like she, she planted that seed. Like, this is yours. This body is yours. Yeah. Nobody, can keep, nobody can touch it. Nobody can talk shit about it. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. Keep moving. Eat, like, make sh- like she may shred and eat a bunch of crap. But, like, you know what I mean? Like a great she- mom. I'm so lucky. And we all all need to be that person for someone else, but also find that person for you in your life. And we really, really need that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always think about my body being like the vessel that carries me through life. And I don't have, I can't hate it because I love life. I love life. Right, and you go through you go through dips and valleys, of course. Oh, that's a great right. point. So you don't always have to be body positive. Right. You can be body neutral. Right, yes. There are going to be some times where you're just like, girl, I appreciate what you've done for me this far, <laughs> but we are not on the same page right. today. Like, especially if your chest is feeling heavy or your right. lower back is feeling yes. sore. So, you know, I, I again, I really want to thank you for sharing your insight on this because this is this is newer to me and it's an important perspective. And I think that we all learn Thanks from it. Asking. But I want to shift gears yeah. because you are a dominatrix. Yes. And yes. so many folks are interested in learning how to be dominant. Yeah. And we don't know where to start. And we get a lot of abs- abstract advice. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything specific? So let's say you'd like to be a little bit more dominant in bed. Not a dominatrix, but a little bit more dominant. What are some physical things you can do and what are some things you can say? So I think that the easiest thing is, the first thing that you want to learn is what language do you identify with? Mm. So you have tops and bottoms. Okay, can you explain that? Sure, so a top is someone that Typically, when you're in bed, the top is the person that is, I don't want to use the word aggressor, but the top is the person that runs the show. Like the doer? The doer. Yeah. You have the doer and then you have the receiver. The receiver is the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be like, like literally receiving, but the top is typically the person that... Um, It's the director, if you will, right? So this is what we're doing now. This is what I'm doing. How does this feel? You know what I mean? The bottom will let the top know, I like this. I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. When you start talking into dominance and submissive, that goes more into a power balance. You start, it starts, it starts to become less of like, these are things that we're doing to each other and more really about a balance of power and permission, right? That's an important distinction. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the top versus bottom is the way generally you're physically acting, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the dom versus the sub is the power exchange. So exactly. you can be a dom from the bottom. Exactly. I'm sometimes like that Yes, too, where yes. I'm mostly because I'm physically lazy in bed. Right. <laughs> I mean, fair. But I will tell you what exactly. to do. Exactly. So I can be bottoming mm-hmm. and be in control. Yes. It's basically good for bossy, lazy people like exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> it is. And and that's and that's a really important thing that you have to know. I think that things get lumped together good and people point. have this idea of what a dominatrix is. And right. it means that I've got on like leather and I've got a whip and I've got a pattern. Sometimes yes but also on on Thursdays for sure right (laughs) but also it can be something as simple as 
denying your partner ple- denying your partner pleasure until they ask a certain way. Den- so what would I say if I wanted to dom by denying? So if you pleasure? wanted to dom, I would start with me. yes. So I would start with asking what your partner wants. What do you want? What do you want? Do you like when I do this to you? So if I put my hand in your mouth, if I put two fingers in your mouth, and I can tell that you like it, and I say, do you like this? And they say, yes. I do. Yes, take your fingers out. Oh. Take your fingers out of the mouth. Because I like it. Because you, you like it. it away. Exactly. So take it away. And that establishes the initial, like, oh, we're shifting. We're shifting. In order for you to get that again, I want you to do this. What do you want me to do? So if I say, I take my finger out of my mouth and I say, I want you to touch your nipples. Touch your nipples. Put your own finger in your mouth. Circle your nipple. Circle your nipple. And while you're doing that, when I like it, I'll stick my finger back in your mouth. And as say, a reward. As a reward. Good girl. Thank Good girl. You. I like that. Yeah. And that sets up the dynamic. Right, that gives people an opportunity to ease into like, oh, and cultivate exactly enthusiastic consent. Exactly, this is new. This is new. Do you want me? Do you want me to touch your nipple? Do you want me to touch your nipple? Yes. Ask me to do it. And then when they ask, ask nicer. I think you can do better than that. Pretty please. Exactly. Exactly. And then you give the reward, and that creates that balance of like oh this is an asking and receiving and if I want something I just have to do this and it creates this relationship between you and your person of I want to please I want to please my my dom I want to please her and I know that if I do this this will please her and so then as the dom you have to notice the next time you guys are intimate you're like oh they're doing that thing that I like and so then you have to say oh look at you I see what you're doing. Do you like touching yourself that way? Yes. Okay. Well, why don't you stop for now? Let's do something else. A little bit of deprivation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love all of that. And so it's gentle. You know what I mean? You yes. start gently. Kink and- doesn't have to be rough. And some right. people don't even like it rough. Right. It's interesting because that, that's all quite emotional. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. physical component to it, but it doesn't really have to be about fingers in the mouth or touching of the nipple right. or pulling of the hair or right. spanking. It's the emotional interplay. Emo- yeah. And so some people think that you can't be kinky because you're not wearing leather. Right. Because, you know, I'm, I can be kinky in my sweatpants. Exactly. Right? Exa- and also, like, the other thing that I think people don't do is you do these fun things in bed and you surprise each other and then you never fucking talk about it again. Hmm. So after you're done, then later when you're talking with your person, say, hey, like, what did you think about that? How did you feel about that? Did you... Did you like that? Would you want this? Would you? How would you feel about that? And then it gives you the opportunity to, <clears throat> one, later on, go back and be like, oh, I remember she said, oh, next time maybe you can, you know, spank me a little. Or mm-hmm. next time maybe you can do this. And it, gal- it allows you to build. You know what I mean? That, and, that aftercare and, is so important. Aftercare. Whether oh, my not, God. Even Ugh. if you're not kinky. It's so funny. So if I were to cook something that I know, so I cook for my partner, and I, Brandon really likes this. And I did something different. Maybe I added, um, like, Chipotle. Right. I would say, hey, did you like that with Chipotle? Right? Oh, my and God, he that would is say, such a great fucking... Yes, right? like, such a great analogy. Yeah, he would yes. say, yeah, that was really good. I think I could actually take more. And then the next time, if I were cooking for them, I might add more Chipotle. I, right? And I wouldn't know if he liked more Chipotle. Unless, but he wouldn't be nervous to tell me. Like, my mom, my mom is a fabulous cook. And uh, I'm really... I, she, what I love about her... 
I mean, I love lots of things about my mom, but <laughs> it is that I can I can be honest. Like she brought over these ginger cookies the other day, and they were a bit sweet for me. They were covered in sugar, and I couldn't taste the ginger. And she said, "How did you like them?" I'm like, "Oh, I love them. I think I would love them with a little less sugar." And she's like, "Oh, I'm glad you told me because otherwise she's going to bring over the same sweet cookies, and I'm not going to want them." Exactly. So how would this? Exactly. How is this woman supposed to know what I like? But I will always tell her if I don't like her cooking, and I think people not don't like, but if there's something I'd like done right. differently. Because she is an acts of service person. My love language is number six, food. Right. And so <laughs> I want to make sure I'm getting the love I, right. I, I, I want, I deserve, I enjoy. Exactly. And so we communicate in every other realm. And we need to do that after care in sex, whether you're kinky or not. Every, every time, all the time. And, I, you know, there's this, I keep hearing this, like, um, this, this conversation about, like, well, if you talk about things, it takes away. No, it doesn't. No, and the data shows no, the doesn't. opposite. If you talk about sex, you have more frequent exactly. sex. You have higher sexual functioning and more orgasms. Exactly. So stop that shit. Yeah. That, like, this belief that, like, well, if you talk about it, I'm like, what? If you talk about it, what? Right. Then you find out more of what your partner likes. Yeah. You find out what they don't like. Right. You found you found out all of these things. Why do we have tasting notes on wine? Why right. do we have food reviews of restaurants? Why do we have book clubs where you can sit around and discuss a book? Like, I read it. Why do I need to hear your perspective? Well, because it gives me a brand new perspective and right. it opens up new dimensions. It's the same right. thing for sex. Like, I might do something by accident and not even notice I do it. And then my partner can be like, oh, man, I love that thing you did with your right. pinky toe. Right. And I'll be like, oh, that pinky toe slipped in there. I didn't even mean to do that <laughs> but, but noted my, yeah my new secret <laughs> weapon is my pinky toe exactly exactly yeah now, before i let you go if somebody wants to learn to be more dominant in bed or wants to ask their partner to be more dominant or more submissive where can we start how do we start that conversation i always tell people to start by researching together mm. ah, okay. research together okay, research cool. together because you know in in every city I won't say every, I'm, I'm generalizing, most but in cities. most cities, mm-hmm. you have kinky things that you can go yes. and just be a voyeur. You don't have to do anything. There, there's, unfortunately, there's a stigma about kinky parties and play parties, and there are plenty that aren't awesome, but a large majority of them, you can go, you and your partner, mm-hmm. and sit and watch. And you can feel each other's reactions and you can talk. What do you think about that? What do you think about what she's doing? What do you think about this? If that's a little too much for you, sit down with your partner, open up a fucking book, open up a video, open up and like web, there are websites, there are videos, there are books. Talk about, and, and, and it has to be said that these websites and books and videos that you can Google are specific, hetero, kink, queer kink, lesbian kink, gay kink, trans kink. Like, there is so much out there for you and your partner to just look through and Mm -hmm. say, hey, babe, like, I've been thinking about this thing. Like, can we just sit down together? Mm -hmm. And it sounds so silly, Mm -hmm. but it is such a perfect way because it's not you off by yourself being like, I wish I could do this, and I wish we could do that. They'll never go for it. They'll never go for it. You don't know. Yeah. Sit down with your person and research it. And watching a video, especially an instructional yes. video, I mean, I don't think anyone's, most people are not going to shut that down. And remember that it's not always an escalation. It's not no. like, oh, we talk about it, we read about it, we watch a video about no. it, now we're doing it at a dungeon. You may discover that the person who thought they weren't into it in the beginning is more into it, and the person who right. was all gung-ho 
pulls back. So, you know, just keep that open right. mind. And I really do believe that you don't have to do everything sexually, but I think you have to be open to a discussion. Yes. And also just a really quick thing to remember with kink as well. Sometimes, especially if you're thinking it in a dom submissive kind of way, um, your dom is just creating um, an experience for you sometimes. And sometimes that does not equal sex. Yes. Kinky sometimes, sex sometimes has no sex. Yes. Which is why going to those kinky events can exactly, be really cool. Exactly. Because it, it can be a lot of talking, mm-hmm. right? The, like the joke in, in BDSM communities and polyamorous communities is that you spend all your time talking about sex <laughs> and no time having the sex, right? That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and But that actually makes it hot. It builds anticipation. Right. You're still going to get the dopamine rush. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. If you go and you feel kind of freaky, like you're freaking out, that's okay too because it's that okay. gives you something to talk about. You're partner can soothe you mm-hmm. any reaction is a valid reaction and and a great thing to remember about these parties and about these situations is that um you can come as a couple as a first time or more often than not you can contact them ahead of time and say hi we're a new couple we'd love to come and a lot of those places will um, assign someone to you, just oh, like cool. a person to kind of buddy. let you, a buddy. I love that. A and I, I think that's probably an indicator of a, a good place to start, like a reputable place to mm-hmm. go if they're really focused on the educational piece and making exactly. people comfortable. I say exactly. the same thing for sex clubs or swing clubs that, you know, I think most of the good ones offer tours. Yes. And it's not a special thing like, oh, once a month. It's, you know, when you come, we have staff on hand that will help to acclimatize you, that will show you with this, where the safer yep. sex supplies are, that will help you become comfortable with the etiquette, mm-hmm. that can help you with the language of yes and no and and all the you know other nuances of going yeah. to someplace new for the first time there's a place here that does that and i was so impressed like when i it wasn't my first time but i i had brought a couple of friends and it was their first time in and austin were, mm-hmm. do you know the name of it it's called trine trine okay and so and then there's the north door mm-hmm. the north door is where you're doing your fat bottom cabaret yes and that is on december the 7th yes Folks can follow you online. You're at, um, what's your handle for Instagram? Nikki Devon. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So we'll post all that. Yay. Uh, thank you so much for chatting. Thanks for sharing your personal insights, your more professional insights. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. And before we go, folks, please check out at Desire Experience, our sponsor, Desire Resorts. Can't wait to get naked on the May cruise in the south of France and Monaco. So make sure you follow them online at Desire Experience. Wherever you're at, have a wonderful day. We'll be back next Friday and every Friday with a whole new episode. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.